Do we believe that Jesus loves us? Like when we sing a song like that in the presence of a community of faith, and you can sense the emotion, you can sense the power at which people believe at that moment, do we live that way? Do we recognize the love of Christ? And how it is the love of Christ that changes everything. That apart from Him, we have nothing. We have to think about that. Has the love of Christ changed the way we think? Does it change our relationships? Does it change our marriage? When I was preparing for this, this sermon, uh, I sat down with Martin and Nate, and we were just talking through this whole marriage series. And we've heard good, we've heard bad about this series. And uh, it's been hard for pe- some people, it's been uh, refreshing for others. And so we've just been processing through that. And, and what our heart is as a pastoral staff is that we will have vibrant marriages that are bringing glory and honor to God. And so as I thought through this, this sermon, I started writing it out. And for me, when I, when I do a sermon, I manuscript. So I write word for word what I'm going to say. So Thursday, my manuscript's done. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, it's done. Thursday night, I get an email from Jeff Forrester. And Jeff sends a note just saying, hey, Here's a sermon from John Piper, and um, it, I don't know, it, it, it's, it's probably a really good sermon. So I'm like, all right, I'll listen to it. And it, it, was, it was all about safeguarding your marriage, and that's what today's sermon's on, is safeguarding your marriage. And so I listened to it, and I was utterly humbled in silence. So I sat in my office when I was done, and I said nothing, and I just sat there because of the amount of clarity that he had. And when I looked at... at, at my sermon, I thought, oh, something was unsettled in me, and this is what it was. Too often when we talk about marriages, and, and especially safeguarding our marriages, we talk about um, the symptoms and not the problems. We live in an age of self-help books, self-help programs, and, and that's not bad. But a lot of times, self-help is, is not dealing with the problem. It deals with symptoms. So if I take care of these symptoms, hopefully it'll help it get better. We have to start with the problem. We have to start with the problem. Especially when you talk about our marriages. And the problem is this. Sin. Sin. We live in a fallen world. We are all selfish human beings. We can be self-absorbed. And we have to recognize that sin is the problem. 
And when I stand in front of you and, and I'm, I'm, I'm talking about marriage, I, I'm humbled because I'm not necessarily the greatest example of a husband. And last week was the perfect example. Last Sunday, uh, I'm an avid sports person. Uh, and for those of you who don't know, the NFL is played mostly on Sunday. And most of the games happen at 10 a.m. Pacific time. I grew up in Buffalo, New York, so my favorite team plays almost every week at 10 a.m. Last week, they played at 1, a, or 1 p.m. Like, yes. Okay. So I'm thinking, okay, after church, I get to actually go home, watch the game, because as a kid, my family, every, day, every Sunday after church, we'd go watch the game. We'd, we'd eat family dinner while watching the game. So... I wrap up, and Tamina and I start talking. She's like, oh, by the way, I have a meeting. Wait, what? I have a meeting. Oh, so I have to take the kids. Okay, so I take my four kids. I'm like, all right. So I get them lunch. I put the two youngest down for a nap. I gave the two oldest a laptop and Netflix. <laughs> Said, go to your room, watch a movie. Oh, by the way, what are you watching? Okay, that one's good. <clears throat> so I go in my, in my room. I turn on the TV, and I look to see, and I somehow forgot that I live on the West Coast, and they don't show uh, the Buffalo Bills ever. And it could be because they stunk for so long, but that's beside the point. So I'm like, oh, but I have Red Zone Channel. So the Red Zone Channel is this. It shows uh, any game where a team is about to score, and then when there's no team about to score, they'll show just random games. In the four, during the 1 p.m. game specific, there's only uh, a couple of them, so you get to see a lot of the games. So I'm like, okay, sweet. So I'll watch Red Zone Channel, and I'll watch it on mute, so when the bills are on, I can unmute it, and then I'll listen to the game, okay? Listen to the game on my computer. Okay, I'm not a sports freak at all. It's not an idol in my life, and so... I got the setup. Halfway through the, the, or the first quarter ends. Tamina's still not home. And you know that it's, nap time's almost getting over. I'm just like, okay. So Tamina calls. and like, hey, um, I know you're watching your game. Can I go hang out with Nate and Becky while you watch your game? And I'm thinking, no. The kids are about to wake up. Like, and you got to watch the kids because I get to watch. It's my right as an American to watch football. Because, yeah, so I'm like, well, I really don't want you to, but I guess that's really selfish on my part. So why don't you, you can go, but don't stay long. So then, about an hour later, both the younger two are up, and I'm just like, where are they? My team's losing, like usual. And I'm just like, oh, I'm getting frustrated. And I'm like, where's my wife? So I text her, where are you? And she's like, oh, I'm on my way now. I'm like, it's an hour later. What part of, don't take long, don't you understand? And so she gets back, and I've got to leave because uh, we have youth group every Sunday night, and so I had to, to leave and not watch the rest of the game. And I just walked away like, oh, I'm such a fallen human being. I'm so stinking selfish. And I, and I have a very gracious wife that's willing to deal with my selfishness. And the problem is sin. And it doesn't matter if you're single, if you're married, the problem is Sin. And we have to deal with the problem. We have to deal with the problem. The problem of sin. And the only way to deal with that problem is Jesus. 
is Jesus. If we want to safeguard our marriages, we have to make Jesus the center of our life. Jesus is the answer. And for some of you, you're like, oh, yep, that's the good Christian answer. Well, it is the good Christian answer, but it is the truth. Jesus is the answer to the problem that we have. We can try and deal with symptoms, but if we don't deal with the problem of sin, it's not going to change anything. So Jesus has to be the center of our life. Now the question is, do you know him? Or do you just know about him? We live in a day and age where uh, there are people that live in the United States who have no clue who Jesus is. They may know someone named Jesus, but they don't know Jesus. They've never heard of Jesus. Like we live in a culture today where there are people who have never heard the name of Jesus. We also live in a culture today where there's a lot of people who have heard about Jesus. They like maybe some of the teachings of Jesus. And then you have people who know Jesus as their friend and as their Savior. Do you know Jesus? Colossians 1, 15-17 says this, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Him all things were made. Things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. Jesus is the creator of the universe. All things were created by Him and for Him. Marriage is a creation of God. Marriage is an institute where a man or a woman will leave their parents, get married to a man or a woman, men with women, women with men. Yeah, I had to make sure that was clear. Okay. <laughs> to bring glory and honor to God. They are united to bring glory and honor to God. Marriage is not about my happiness. It's about bringing glory and honor to God. Marriage is not being satisfied in life. It's about bringing glory and honor to God. If we want to safeguard our marriages, we have to make Jesus the center of our life. Jesus is the creator of everything. He is also the Savior. When sin entered the world, our relationship with God was marred and we needed an opportunity to have a relationship and it is only because Jesus died and took our place that we can have forgiveness of sins. And the craziest thing about this is when He died and He took our sins and we put our faith and trust in Him, He hides us in Himself. Colossians 1.3 says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on earthly things. For if you, you have died and your life now is now hidden in Christ, with Christ in God. Our life no longer is ours. It is hidden with Christ. When God sees us, he sees Christ in us. Our life is no longer ours. 
We are forgiven. We are set free. And when God sees us, He says, sees Christ in us. We have to live focused on the things above. Recognizing that because of what Christ did, now we are hidden. We are forgiven. We are set free. And when God sees us, he sees Christ in us. We also have to recognize what John 15, 5 says. I am the vine. Christ is the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. We have to remain or abide in Christ. I like the way John Piper put it in his, in his sermon. He said that Jesus has to be the son, as UN, that the rest of our, war, our universe revolves around. He has to be the center. Too often we make ourselves the center. We have us in the center. We have God, work, family revolving around us. If we want to safeguard our marriages, it's not about let's get everything in order. It's about putting Jesus first. Everything else revolves around Jesus. He is the center of the known, our known universe. He is the center of our life. He is what we focus on. We are not the center. This life is not about my happiness. It's not, not about my accomplishments, my desires. It's not about my success. It's not about my failures. This life is about Christ in me. It is about me reflecting Christ to my family my friends, and the rest of the world. And we will not reflect Christ unless we abide in him. He has to be the center of our life. And we need to remain in him. We need to spend time with him. We need to seek him. We need to trust him. We need to talk through our days, our decisions, and everything with him. We, when we abide in Christ, when we remain in Christ, we start to be changed from the inside out with the renewing of our mind. And we start to reflect the character of Christ. If we want to safeguard our marriage, it starts with us having Christ be the center of our life. Everything else we talk about today will be with this foundation. Is Christ the center of your life? When people look at you, can they tell that you are a Christ follower? When people look at you, can they tell that you are a son or daughter of the Most High King? This reminds me of a story in Acts where two of the apostles were put in jail. And then they were interrogated by the religious leaders of that time. And after they had answered the questions of the religious leaders, the religious leaders made this observation. They said, we can tell that you are untrained, unschooled men, but that you have been with Jesus. When people look at your life, can they tell that you've been with Jesus? See, we like to deal with symptoms, not the problem. We have a sin problem. Everything else flows out of that sin problem. 
fights and quarrels. What causes fights and quarrels among you, according to James? It is my selfishness. I want, but I don't ha- you don't have, and so I fight to try and get it. It's about, uh, uh, um, well, I really want this, and you really want that, so uh, we're just going to st- stick our feet in and no. Uh, Mike Helm posted this on Facebook, and I thought it was hilarious. He said a, uh, there was a couple that were fighting. It got to the point where they went to silent treatment, and neither one of them was going to budge, and so for a week, they didn't talk to each other. Well, that next day, the husband had to get up for a 5 a.m. flight, or for a flight, and so he wrote a note to his wife and said, hey, can you wake me up at 5 a.m.? Well, he wakes up at 9 a.m., and he finds a note right by his, his side of the bed. It's 5 a.m., wake up. <laughs> like, okay, for those of you who've been married a long time, like, if you look at some of your fights, you could be like, oh my goodness, that was so stupid. Like, it just, it, this wasn't that big a deal. But what happens is we get focused on ourselves. we put ourselves on the throne, we put ourselves at the center of the universe, and we say it's all about me, my needs, my wants, my desires, and Christ isn't even a part of the discussion. If we want to safeguard our marriage, it starts with making Christ the center of our life. Can people tell that you are a Christ follower? based on your actions. Number two, to safeguard your marriage, you need to seek wisdom and insight from others. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of a funny person when it comes to sermons. I, I don't really care who reads my sermons beforehand because I like input. And so um, Greg Zimmerman's with me all the time and uh, I have him read my sermons. And so he reads it. And I said, what'd you think? He's like, it's a Brian sermon. Invite people into your life. Like, this isn't new stuff for me. The problem is, is we don't do it. And when you look throughout Scripture, you see so often where it's about inviting insight and wisdom from others in. You look at Proverbs, Proverbs 7, verse 1. Follow my advice, my son. Always treasure my commands. Obey them and live. Guard my teachings as your most precious possessions. Tie them on your fingers as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. Love wisdom like a sister. Make insight a beloved member of your family. If we're going to safeguard our marriage, we need to seek wisdom and insight from God, from others. God speaks through the Word of God, through prayer, through others, and through our circumstance. If we want to safeguard our marriage, we need to invite other people into our lives. See, and this starts when you're young. Learning how to uh, listen is huge. Learning how to listen and implement is huge. And so when you're younger, when you're married, when you're older, it's, it's very important that we let people speak into our lives because we recognize that when we live, we live with blinders on and we need outside sources to tell us where those blinders are, where those blind spots are. Without mirrors on our cars, we would be in big trouble. We need mirrors in our life. And that is the people of God pointing us to Christ. We need mentors and friends 
speaking truth into our life. And in marriage, like, I don't know what it is. For some reason, when we're in marriage, like, we feel like we can't talk about certain things. And I don't know if it's like we're afraid that if we talk about these things, we're, we're throwing our, our spouse under the bus. And, and nothing I'm talking about is like about getting back at your spouse. It's all about building up of the relationship. And so if there's literally, if there's issues that you as a couple are dealing with, like you need someone speaking into that. But for some reason, we've bought the lie that, oh, I can't talk about this area of my life. What happens, you know, at my house stays at my house. We can't talk through this. Like, we all have issues. Lots of issues. We have this sin issue. And if we continuously have these same issues over and over again, and we're like, why am I beating my head against the wall? Well, because we have sin, and we're not inviting other people in to help us work through it. Who is speaking into your life? Who is speaking into your life? Who are you inviting into your marriage? This is huge. And, and part of this, like inviting people in and, and people pointing out, hey, this is what I see in your life. This is how I'm experiencing you. Martin's asked that question. We'll ask someone how they experience you. Like as you invite other people in and they point out things, it, these issues that we're dealing with are stuff we have to deal with. And then all of a sudden it moves from, okay, these are issues to, this is a self-control thing. I recognize what I need to change, and now I have to be self-controlled, listening to those who are speaking, and live that way. The Bible talks so often about us being self-controlled, and when I look at my life, and I look at a lot of my issues, they deal with the fact that I'm not self-controlled. That when someone speaks into my life, am I willing to, okay, I have to, to implement it. Titus 2.11 says, For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people, and we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with self-control, right conduct, and devotion to God while we look forward to that wonderful event when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. Do you see the perspective here? We live self-controlled in this world because we know what's to come. When I invite people to speak into my life and they, they speak truth and I, and I make decisions to change what I'm doing and gain perspective, my selfish desires may not be that big a deal. We need to safeguard our marriage by focusing on Christ and seeking wisdom and insight from others. We need to invite people into our marriages. We need to invite people into our lives. Now, some things to think about. If you guys are, if, if you as a couple are running into issues, and it's the same issue over and over again, you may go to your spouse and say, hey, I'm thinking of talking through this with so-and-so. And always seek, men seek out other men. Women seek out other women. And it's not for the bashing, it's for the building up of the relationship. And as a couple, you just say, hey, it's okay, you can, you can talk to that person. Or as a couple, you may say, hey, we keep having the same issue over and over again. 
who could we talk to? Who could we invite into this to help us? Because it's all about the building up of our relationship. It's all about safeguarding our relationship. Because if we don't deal with issues, we start to build these emotional barriers. And when emotional barriers are built up, it pushes us apart. And as we stop dealing with issues and stop dealing with issues and stop dealing with issues, the barrier gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And we're feeling more and more alone in our own houses and our own marriages. We have to deal with issues. And a lot of times that means we need someone else to come in and help us. Who is speaking into your life? If we're going to safeguard our marriage, we have to focus on Christ. Make Him the center of our life. We need to invite wisdom and insight from others. Three, to safeguard your marriage, you need to be satisfied with your spouse. You need to be satisfied with your spouse. And when I say satisfied, it's not like, "Mm, well, I guess this is the best I can do. When When I say satisfied, what I mean is you're sitting at the dinner table and it's this beautiful meal and you just get done and you can't eat a single thing more and you are just completely and utterly satisfied. Recognizing that your spouse is a gift from God. Proverbs 5.18 says this, May your fountain be blessed. May you rejoice in the wife of your youth. A loving doe, a graceful deer. May her breast satisfy you always. May you ever be captivated by her love. When we stand before God and we make a vow to marry and stay true to someone, it is in all areas. We need to be careful with what we look at, what, who we talk to, and who our friends are. What is robbing you of the satisfaction of your spouse? For those of us who are visual, when we look at things that are inappropriate, it robs you of the satisfaction of your spouse. When you watch certain programs or you read certain literature, it can rob you of the satisfaction of your spouse. What are you allowing in your life that is robbing you of the satisfaction of your God-given spouse? This is huge, guys. These, when we aren't satisfied, again, these emotional barriers go up. Well, I wish you would do this. Well, I wish you would do this. If you would do this, it would be better. And all of a sudden, I'm dissatisfied with them. And not recognizing the real issue is my own sin nature that is coming out with expectations that aren't healthy. Are you satisfied with your spouse? And, and for those of us who are, who are more emotional and, and, and we just need that listening ear and we need someone to empathize and sympathize with us, not again for the bashing, but just to feel connected to, like be careful with who you talk to. Who are you seeking um, an emotional support from? If I go to another woman and I'm constantly talking to her about my emotional needs, it is going to make me dissatisfied with my spouse. Who are you seeking out to help fill your emotional needs? It needs to be your spouse. If we're going to safeguard our marriage, we need to be satisfied with our spouse. 
And there's, there's, there's a couple thoughts I have with this. First is, when we are fully satisfied with Christ, we will be able to be satisfied with our spouse. Because when we are fully satisfied with Christ, we are not looking at us, we are looking at Him. And when we look at Him, it changes the whole perspective. It is not about my needs. It is about how do I serve and have the right perspective in this relationship. Again, Jesus has to be the Son in which everything else turns around. When he is the center of the universe, we are focused on him and his ways. This will help us not focus on ourselves. Dissatisfaction comes when we are found, when we are focused on our wants and desires instead of Christ and serving our spouse. I had a friend, I was sitting at a dinner table with a friend, and he said, you know something, something that really helped my marriage was I looked at my wife and I said, how can I best love you? What can I do better to love you? And all of a sudden, that emotional need in his spouse was just lifted up. That was a servant-type question. When we're focused on Christ, we will serve others. It's a byproduct. Two, you as a couple, you know, we need to be satisfied in Christ first, but we also, as a couple, need to have sex on a regular basis. And I'm not telling you how often. And if sex is an issue with you and, and frequency is an issue, that may be something that as a couple you say, okay, who do we trust? Who's a safe person? Who can we talk through this with? Because it's important. 1 Corinthians 7.5 says, So do not deprive each other of sexual relations. And when you finish it, it's only for the exception of spending time with God. And it ends with, so, and then come back together so that you will not be tempted. God has given us a gift that is a natural safeguard for satisfaction. So as a married couple, we need to be satisfied with Christ. That will help. We need to have sexual relations because it's important. It is a safeguard that God created. The other thing is we need to have lots of face-to-face time. We get lots of side-by-side time where we do things together, we fix the house together, we fix the car together, we watch football together, we watch movies together, but it's that face-to-face time which is where we are talking, we are having conversations. Tamina and I, we were just, we were, we were trying to, we were feeling disconnected. And so she, uh, last February, printed out 400 questions that we started talking through. And for a day and a half, we talked through these questions. And it was an intentional act. In face-to-face time, it's intentional decisions for your relationship. We fight for our relationship when we are being intentional about connecting. Both emotionally and physically. Spending time with God, satisfaction with Christ, is an intentional act of spending time with Him. For us to safeguard our marriage, we have to make Christ the center of our life. We need to invite wisdom and insight from others. We need to be satisfied with our spouse. Fourth, we need to to safeguard our marriage. We need to understand each other's weaknesses. Romans 7, 14, 15 says, We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I I do not do. 
but what I hate, I do. We all have sin that entices us. We all have sin that entices us. We all have battles that we fight on a constant basis, on a consistent basis. Does your spouse know the battles that you fight? Have you been open and honest about the battles that you fight? The hard part about this is when we are open and honest about the the battles that we fight and our weaknesses, so we're afraid of how the other is going to respond. And here's the deal. We have to respond in the same way that Christ responded to us, with grace and love. With grace and love. Recognizing we all have sin, and all of our sin stinks the same. None of us are exempt. We all have sin. And so when your spouse comes and just talks about their struggles, uh, their their weaknesses, it it is a connecting thing. It can be a building up of the relationship because there's trust to share that. And then as a spouse, we could be hurt. It may be painful, but it also gives us an opportunity to respond in a loving and gracious manner. If we want to safeguard our marriage, Jesus has to be the centerpiece. And when Jesus is the centerpiece, we will be satisfied with our spouse. We will be open to inviting insight and wisdom from others. We will share our weaknesses because we know that our spouse is going to respond or our spouse spouse should respond in the same way that Jesus responds to us. See, sometimes we forget the power of the cross. We forget the love of Christ and how he has changed us. We have to make Jesus the center of our universe. We have to make him the focus because it'll help everything else fall into place. Jesus is the giver of life. He is the forgiver of sins. He is our rescuer and friend. He is our high priest who understands and it is by his spirit that we can choose to live for him. And apart from him, we can do nothing. And when we surrender to Jesus and seek to love as he loves and serve as he serves, then it will be easier to invite others in, to be satisfied, to share weakness, our weaknesses. We are called to love God. Greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. We need to love him more than our success, our money, our fame, our recognition, sex, pleasure, everything. We need to love him more. In fact, in Philippians where Paul says, forgetting what's behind, I press on towards the mark. And earlier in that chapter he says, I count everything as rubbish but the surpassing knowledge of knowing Christ Jesus. It means that my family is behind. My, my kids are rubbish. My wife is rubbish. My, my circumstances are rubbish. Because what matters most 
is Christ and focusing on Christ and making him the center of the universe that, that everything else revolves around. And when I do that, it puts everything else in place. And we need to abide in Jesus. Spending time with him. Are you abiding? Because when we abide, we reflect. And the Bible says that the fruits of the Spirit, when the Spirit of God is working in us, when we put our faith and trust in Christ, the Spirit of God comes in us. And he fills us. And that filling is when he works, all of a sudden, where he, what he's doing in our hearts becomes an outpouring of his character. And it says the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, and I missed a couple. But when we abide in Christ... We reflect Christ to our spouses, to our culture, to our kids. How's your marriage? Martin's been preaching on marriage for the last two months. Have you had good conversations because of this sermon series? Or have you just kind of tried to not talk about it and hope it... These conversations don't come up. We need to fight for our marriages and not be okay with the status quo. And some of us have a lot of hard work ahead of us. But why not start today? Why not start today? And why not start on our knees? Because the problem is sin in us. The problem is selfishness in us. And this transcends marriage. If you're single, divorced, it doesn't matter. It starts with the problem. And the problem is sin. And we need to focus on Christ. Make him the center of our life. How are you abiding? How are you reflecting? When you fight, is it all about you? Imagine what it would look like if in the midst of the conversation you were quick to recognize your own selfishness and your own stuff before you engaged in the fight. We have to make Christ the center. We have to seek wisdom and insight. We have to be satisfied with our spouse. We have to know each other's weaknesses with Christ as the center. Is Christ the center of your life? Do you know him? Is he your savior and your friend? Or is he just a good idea that you hope is true? Is he transforming your life? Because if we're going to safeguard our marriages... And the church should have the best marriages. Because we've got Jesus. Let's pray. You know where you're at. Close your eyes and think through. God, what is one thing 
that I need to take away. What is one thing I need to apply? God, I pray that we would understand how broken we are. But Father, that we wouldn't stay there, but we would recognize the amount of love and grace that you have lavished on us, that you have given us. Lord, reveal to us what the center of our universe is. Reveal to us if we have idols that are taking your place on the throne of our lives. Challenge us this week, Father, with a conversation with our spouse, with a a conversation with a friend, with a conversation with a mentor, a circumstance at, at work. Lord, challenge us to abide in you, to focus on you, to make you the center of our lives. In your name I pray. Amen. We need him to transform us, to help us to stop seeking our own needs, wants, desires, but to focus on him and what he wants to do. what causes fights and quarrels among you. You have not because you ask not. And when you ask, you ask out of selfish ambition. Where is Christ in the mix, in the midst in the, of the fight? In the midst of the fight. Where is Christ in the midst of the fight? Is he the center Probably not. Our hearts is that we would have healthy marriages that are vibrant and bring glory and honor to God. Our hearts is that we would have people that are focused on Christ, bringing glory and honor to God. That we'd be satisfied in Him. We would be growing in Him. And then when we, where we are weak, we would run to Him and seek help from others. This isn't just a married thing. This is a God-fearing, Jesus-lover thing. Let's give it to him. And when we do, he sets us free. There is freedom in Christ. Freedom to live Father, help us to understand our need for you. And Father, help us to to sense the freedom that you give. That we don't have to fight with sin anymore because you have proclaimed victory over sin and death. And we can live within the freedom of your love. In your name I pray. Amen.